Hey, what's up, everyone? Today we're going to be discussing chapter 13 entitled The Jedi of season two of The Mandalorian. And spoiler alert, that's it's about Ahsoka Tanu. So let's dive in. You are now getting a taste of sweet Star Wars delight. Hey everyone, how are you doing? Hope you're doing fantastic. Uh, first off, I want to, before we dive into the this uh, chapter of The Mandalorian, I'd like to just apologize. Um, this should be, have been uploaded last week, um, but there was a, I was very sickly um, last week around, right around before this episode and after for a little bit. Um, and then since then, I've uh, been diagnosed with COVID. Um, so uh, this is actually being done and released on the day of the next chapter 14 also that is being released. So I'm just pulling two in one day, uh, just catching up with it. Because, um, yeah, I would have done it sooner, but I whew, I was not feeling it at all. Um, and now I'm feeling fairly decent, so I could actually uh, express my enthusiasm and thoughts uh, properly on... Uh, Chapter 13, The Jedi, and also uh, Chapter 14 here. So I'm just pulling two in the same day. I watched it last week uh, numerous times since uh, then, but um, just now recording my uh, my thoughts on it. So just playing a little catch-up. But uh, yeah, trust me, you would have not wanted me to hear... You, have not, you did not want to hear me try to discuss different things about this episode last week because it was yeah i wouldn't have been able to function and hardly think properly it's he's been no bueno uh but it, here now uh discussing it and going over it my thoughts and analysis for it uh for the episode now so uh let's dive into it chapter 13 called the jedi and uh we start out when this very dark and desolate kind of uh planet and you hear an alarm going off and um kids and people are running from the streets into their houses and peering outside as you see uh heavily armed uh guard uh guards of uh some sort sounding the alarm and also the bell and are guarding the gates of this uh this um stronghold of a town or the, the outside and then you see uh some of these same uh creatures that are shooting out in the in the dark desolate woods and then all of a sudden you see zoom, 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 all of out of nowhere you see uh soka's lightsabers and they dive right into it in this episode they don't uh waste no time which we knew she was coming in this episode but so they don't yeah they don't play around with it they dive right into it and um this whole scene is very like uh very was very cool vis visually um almost batman like uh they're portraying ahsoka like and mind you this is the first time a lot of people have exposure to her 
have had exposure to her um if they haven't seen um clone wars or rebels so this scene and also the whole episode this is a this is their first taste of her and it's it was such a cool way to represent her starting out um um pretty much explaining yeah she's she's no joke and she's taking these guys out alternatingly kind of she'll take out a guy then to turn off her lightsabers and use the darkness around her as her um as her ally in this in this case and then she does it again and again and uses um the darkness to her advantage uh in this fog and this woods as then she confronts the um the uh what do you call her uh, i'm blinking the magistrate yes and she's asking uh where her master is uh the magistrate ahsoka is and you finally get to hear her talk and see her up close uh rosario dawson uh playing ahsoka in live action uh and the voice is pretty similar uh, along with even her mannerisms even throughout this whole episode and her looks which her um Headtails are a little shorter, but I'm people to commented about that. But I've, I think it's for probably st stunt wise. It'll it's probably be too bulky or long and trying to get in the way of stunts and on fight scenes if they were a little too long. So I have a feeling that's why they were a little shorter from when we've last seen. Uh, her headtails from um, Rebels, so I, it's not that very real big of a deal to me but um probably visually it's and for the actor it was just it just got and got in the way and they could have done cg you know kind of maybe which part of it maybe towards the tips is it's kind of hard to tell but um uh but that didn't bother me and the magistrate goes on to say you know well she's threatening to kill numerous people um and Ahsoka's pretty much telling her, well, you're already making them suffer, you know, and she wants the info about where her master is. Um, and she said Ahsoka gave her one day, gave the magistrate uh, one day, and then she's going to return. And then this is also where we see Michael Bean's character first pop up. He's uh, the magistrate's uh, right-hand man in this case. And then Ahsoka goes back out into the woods as then we go to the uh, the title screen. And it's entitled The Jedi. And then we see Din Djarin and uh, the child out in space about to uh, arrive at Corvus. Um, where Ahsoka is, where we just seen her. <clears throat> and then he's, as he's uh, flying um, the child, you can already see he's one in his little ball uh, again. And Mando tells him, you know, get back in your seat. You know, we're going to, Gonna need to hang on and he tells him again and you can see that you know he's come to listen to him he even though um 
sometimes he'll get into trouble and different things. But I mean, like I said, he's a he's he's a kid. He's fifty year old, but he's a kid as far as his species is concerned, as far as um, compared to others. And you see him just kind of wanting that ball still, and he's still urging for it. And in the last episode, the siege. Well, before this is the first time we've seen him use the force. Um, this season, getting the cookies, and then here we also see it, him uh, slowly unscrewing the the ball, ball bearing on uh, on the lever that he oh so loves uh, in Mando's ship, as Mando's arriving to Corvus, and this this um, area of Corvus, this planet, that city. And the woods surrounding is very atmospheric. Um, has a very specific kind of tone to it. And you you see that's just barren. Like these trees are burned and nothing much outside the city. Like you see these cool looking creatures just uh, munching on what's left of the trees. Mando uh, comes outside the ship and you see the child also carrying... That little ball bearing uh, from the ship out with him, and just plopping down on the on the landing platform, and Mando's like, "No, you, not what I tell you to get, you know, put the, this. Don't go out here." <laughs> little child's got an obsession with that thing, and uh, they. So then uh, Mando decides to go into town because uh, to figure try to find a lead. <clears throat> and then he encounters he comes to the wall he's walking in from the woods he comes to the wall of the town and he has a short conversation about to Michael Bean's character and the, the two uh, guards there pretty much saying you know he's a mandible He's a warrior, you know, um, just stopping. I think he said he's stopping for just kind of a break. Um, in other words, not saying his real reason why he's there to look for uh, Sokotano, the Jedi. Of course not. You don't throw that. You don't throw that around. And then he's got the child also in the little satchel bag uh, also again. <laughs> what if what if people just started carrying their kids around in those? <laughs> Why not? If it's good enough for the child, it's good enough for the rest of the child's, any child. <laughs> well, he's a little smaller than some child children. <laughs> But probably way more adorable than some of these kids I've seen. <laughs> Not every kid is just uh, a beautiful baby, you know. <laughs> but I have to say, uh, Baby Yoda is probably a lot cuter than some babies I've seen. <laughs> I mean, and he has the Force. That's a plus. And then you see Mando kind of uh, going into town. And he goes to talk to some of the people of the town, and one woman just scurries away, a merchant he was about to talk to. And then he talks to this other guy that's talking to, looks like his kids. 
possibly. And then he's like, no, you, you don't talk to them. We can't. And then you see the two guards come up from behind. And then they say, the magistrate wants to see you or something along these lines. Um, and the other guy kind of scurries away. Um, cause you can already tell he's so, uh, very fearful of what this town has become, what they've, you can only imagine what it used to could be like compared to now, you know, even as Mando walks through these, uh, to the gates of where the magistrate is, uh, from one part of the town to the other, you see these people strapped up to these poles and in, encircled in these shocking devices that are shocking them on these, uh, poles being tortured. A few of them at the gate of, the uh the town where it leads to a totally way more beautiful part of the town where the magistrate is um not even comparing to the filthy um harsh living conditions of what's on outside that wall compared to how uh the magistrate is living when she is living nice and Cozy in her area, of course. <laughs> she even questions, you know, you're a Mandalorian or a warrior. You, you know, she's like, goes on to say, I have a, I have a Jedi problem. And, uh, he even goes to say that, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't come cheap. You know, I'm a, I'm very expensive and she needs him to take care of this Jedi problem for her. And then she goes to uh, give him this uh, this staff, and ask she you know asks what she uh, what he makes of it, and then he handles it for a second, uh, then then um, then changes it against his uh, armor, and it you can hear the sound of the the resonating uh, noise of the his armor clashing with this spear and it figures out it's Beskar and she goes on to say it's pure Beskar. And so she goes, <clears throat> excuse me, to offer this to him in, um, in return for her, for him killing the Jedi, Sokotanu. So he accepts, uh, but his motives are obviously different. Because um, he was looking for Ahsoka anyway, but not to kill her, but for uh, to bring the child to her, to have uh, the child trained by her. Um, so he has to find her either way. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Still not 100%, I, I suppose, but good enough for now. So he agrees, or he... Uh, goes to leave the town and Michael Bean <laughs> makes a little remark about, you know, what's that in your bag right there? And then <laughs> the look on baby Yoda's face, it's like, well, what are you, who are you looking at, man? You ain't so pretty yourself. <laughs> the look on yeah, baby Yoda's face there was, was pretty great. That little scowl. And then the Mandalorian's like, Oh, I keep it around for luck. <laughs> and he's like, you're going to need it against this Jedi. And the magistrate previously also went on to say that, you know, Mandalorians and Jedi are 
enemies of the past and that Mandalorians, you know, are well suited against Jedi. So this would, this would, uh, bode well for him, uh, in this task of, uh, killing this Jedi for the magistrate or so she thinks. <laughs> so then he's, he's making his way through the desolation of what is kind of left of this forest. Um, can see all the damage that this the magistrate and her men have done to not just the town, but so much of the area surrounding the town. And as uh, Din Djarin is traveling through some of this area, it reminds me a little bit of something for some reason, like the Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't know why, uh, parts of the scene where he's traveling through there. Maybe the way the trees are all just corroded and all shaped every which way. Um, maybe that for some reason it does. Um, and then he goes to look around uh, for the heat signatures and look around for uh, thinks he hears something, but uh, then he sets the child down looking around to see what's up. And then he's thinks it's false alarm, you know, one of those creatures out in the distance. Um, and then all of a sudden, bang, Ahsoka comes and is just wailing on Mando. And luckily, and then we find out Beskar, he's uh, with his armor on uh, on his arms is uh, blocking the lightsaber blast. And then he shoots the flamethrower and she, uh, she dodges that. And he wrangles, uh, wrangles her up with his wire. And then she goes to the top of the tree and gets out of it. And then he goes and freaks. He's like, no, 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 no. Wait, Ahsoka Tanu. <laughs> He's like, Bo-Katan sent me <laughs> before this fight got any further. Because <laughs> he could only probably hold that off so long uh, of Ahsoka uh, just wailing on him with the lightsabers probably so long. But then all of a sudden she's like, she stops and then she's like, I hope it's about this little guy. And she sees him over there, uh, the child on the rock. So then it goes to, uh, the next scene where they're in the, they're in the darkness. Um, big bright moon in the background with the shadows of the trees all around. And there's a light in between, um, Ahsoka and the child. And they're not saying anything, but you can tell they're understanding one another or communicating. Even the way the child is um, moving around his arms and his facial expressions, and and with her also, they're you can tell they're communicating, having a conversation, but not even saying a word. Um, it's a uh, it's wild how they can do that all that with the uh, hand gestures and facial. Uh, expressions in this scene and she goes to really cool shot with a silhouette of her holding uh pics of the child and holding him with the moon in the background and they uh go to move a few steps and then uh mandalorian comes uh and stands and is uh stands beside them and she goes on to uh you know, Dinjar and asks, are you communicating? And because he didn't hear him say a word and he's, she's like in a way. Yeah. They end up communicating kind of through the force itself. Um, 
just pretty wild. Um, and then she goes on to say, you know, Grogu. And he's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> and then Dan's like, Grogu. And as he says his name once, uh, Grogu or the child turns to him like, what? Huh? <laughs> He even goes to say it again, and he does the same little uh, reaction again in uh, recognizing his name from um, Din Djarin for the first time uh, twice in this scene. Um, it is pretty adorable the way he looks at him when he says his name. You know, he's like probably the uh, baby Yoda, or Grogu's probably thinking this whole time, God, he's just called me the kid or Womp Rat or all these other things and oh yeah i finally hear my name but then ahsoka also after this begins to uh explain that some of what she was just told from grogu that he was a that he was actually trained on the uh at the uh jedi temple on coruscant and i was like oh my gosh because he if you remember he was born right around the about the time anakin was um but he was trained on by different Jedi masters and on Coruscant. And then before he, like before, as you know, as the, as the Republic is falling and the empire is, uh, coming to power on, on order 66, apparently someone took him and hid him from, um, Anakin's wrath. Cause if you remember Anakin just, demolished all these younglings and different ones at the temple and so many um jedi and people at the temple but apparently someone found grogu or took him and hid him um so he was somehow spared and that that whole story is just mind-blowing i'm like oh my gosh it's just another example. This shows some of the stuff they're just dropping on us. And it, it's wild. Um, and the fact that Ahsoka is the one to tell us her name, that's his name. That's pretty crazy too. Um, and yeah, it's, (coughs) excuse me. And then, you know, but then she goes on to say also his, after he was hidden, uh, not long after his mind, his memory and whatnot goes, is dark and clouded, um, for a while. And that makes us wonder, you know, you know, we might've thought it was a Jedi or somebody of the light that took him, but maybe it wasn't. Um, cause why was his memory and everything so dark for so long um before um Din Djarin found him you know if possible Palpatine put him aside for a certain reason for experimentation because he was he knew he was very uh had a very high M count midichlorians uh flowing through him because we've seen in the um back when obviously the emperor wanting uh Palpatine wanting force sensitive children um so because that would explain why he that period of time is um 
such a dark uh, and clouded aspect uh, of his memory and his life um, until he met Din Djarin. And then she, she actually goes on to say he's kind of been cutting himself off from the force uh, in order to be um, safe or in order to keep himself kind of tucked away and safe. And uh, Ahsoka even goes on to mention, um, you know, she's only seen one, um, one other being that was like this uh, creature and that she mentions Yoda and Ludwig Gorenson with the music is just cannot be, you know, it cannot be overstated how phenomenal of a composer he is in so many aspects, but then he weaves the, the Yoda theme in right as they're kind of talking to him, to him talking about him. Uh, but it doesn't linger that long. It's just very, very slight. It, it's there for that little bit of time and then kind of weaves into the rest of the music, uh, with what was originally going on. And that's just genius to me. Um, yeah. And then they wait till the next morning and she said, you know, we're going to train, uh, I'll see, I'll test him in the morning. She goes on to hold, uh, puts, uh, Gurgu out on one log and then she floats a rock towards him and he's just all about it. He's like, Oh yeah. Gimme, gimme. Um, as he's, uh, accepts the rock. And now then she asks, um, Gurgu, she's like, return the rock to me. Gurgu. And he, you really can see his emotions turning during this scene. He, he kind of wants to, or he doesn't understand. There's much confusion on his face as he's holding the rock, looking at her, looking back at the rock and just, he, he don't know what to do. He's, um, and then he just plops down the rock and kind of disappointment and frustration. And then Dinjarin goes to say that he doesn't understand, but Ahsoka says and knows, you know, he does. So she goes over to him and and holds his little hand for a second. And she she goes on to sense that there's much fear in him. Uh, oh, and I think earlier I jumped the gun a little bit on a certain aspect, but then, then here's where she uh, goes on to say he's been uh, hiding his abilities um, to keep safe. Um, as far as the aspects of the force that is, that's why I guess he's, he's kept them hidden or tucked away, not using them as much, kind of like how Luke was when he went to Oct 2. But, um, especially with him being a child, there's, he can't really fend for himself all that I mean he can but he within reason um and especially we don't know exactly what he was dealing with during that dark um clouded period of his memory uh no it wasn't good <laughs> probably um but I think he's afraid to whatever he was dealing with he doesn't want to lead that back into his life they don't he don't want to be sensed by those people or that person, um, in order to be found again by whoever that 
was probably either to do with the Empire or a dark side user, probably being Palpatine or somebody connected. Um, so that's why he was kind of, uh, how do you rip, just really holding back on his abilities as far as with the force to not be detected and sensed by whatever had plagued him for, or whoever had took him. And that was such a bad period, uh, apparently of his life. So he was trying all, he's been trying all he could to not let them detect him. So he just kind of didn't use the force, nothing compared to what he, uh, could probably back when he was trained from the Jedi masters. And we are back and he, she's testing him and he wouldn't, um, begin with, like she said, uh, we apparently had been cutting himself off from the force in order to stay hidden and safe from whatever it is Ben that had him or was wanting him from that, uh, dark cloud period, clouded period of his life. And, um, and she goes on to, you know, well, okay, she didn't have any luck. Well, she's like, let me try something different. And so she gets uh, Din, Din Djarin to uh, come over, hands him the rock, and tries to get him to uh, listen to Din. She senses, uh, she's like, well, maybe he'll listen to you. They, she, they built that connection over time. And Din's like, well, I doubt it. He's pretty stubborn. <laughs> and then he goes to, you know, so just say, hey, kid, you know, take the stone and she reminds Ahsoka reminds him, which it's like, it's Grogu <laughs> just to further make that connection with him and start to kind of drill it in his head, you know, his name now. And I think that's how we felt as the audience where it's just reminding us, you know, the first time we're hearing it, we're so used to calling him baby Yoda or the child. Um, so this is a realization for us to, trying to get used to, too. Yeah, I know some people won't call him Grogu's now because they've known him as Baby Yoda or the child for this whole time. But uh, I like I like the name, uh, personally. I think it it works. It fits. Um, it's not something like Jacques or something. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it works. People were wondering, you know, if they would keep that, um, you know, because the only two that we see of his species are Yoda and Yaddle, both names that start with Y. So we were wondering if they did, if they do keep the Y thing, but apparently not. But, uh, Gurgu, I think it's a good fit. Um, me personally, I'm not, I'm not so stubborn. I'll just call him, you know, I'm not one of these that I'll say, Oh no, he's just baby Yoda always to me. I mean, yeah, I might call him that from time to time, but I'll, st I'll still call him Grogu though too, because that's his name. And I want him to look at me that way when I call his name. <laughs> adorable but then he goes to um try it but then he still can't get um grogu to respond he's grogu's just looking so defeated and disappointed during this whole time um but then uh din Djarin is reminded from uh soka he's like really try to connect with him and there's a moment where they're just kind of both not saying a word he's not saying a word to him and uh Grogu's starting to look like 
curious, like, well, something's different here. And they're wondering if it's teased these force sensitive here. Um, I'm split on this. Um, I really don't, I really don't know if I want him to be force sensitive or not because, well, then Dan pulls out the uh, little ball bearing that, uh, Grogu's so, uh, interested in always. And then Dan's like, you want this? And he's like, yeah, come on, go ahead. Take it, Grogu. Take it. And then Grogu's a little more interested now, now that it's that little ball bearing and that they've kind of made that, he kind of made that connection with him. Um, and then you see him uh, kind of raising his hand, and all of a sudden he don't just uh, barely, barely uh, use the force to bring it to him. Slowly he jolts it. You know he um, he brings it to him quick. Uh, he pulls it to uh, Grogu pulls it to himself quick. And then you see the Mandalorian get almost so excited. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, good job, good job," and he's. So excited kind of in that moment, which you don't see much. And then, but then Ahsoka realizes she's like, ah, I, I can't train him. And then Den's really frustrated. You know, he's like, well, why not? You know, she's like, there's much fear in him and he's grown a very, a great attachment to you. And if we remember what the attachments are, uh, what the Jedi said about attachments and she knows, um, personally too because she then goes on to say you know that what attachments with the fear of losing someone uh and attachments can lead to you know fear can lead to anger which obviously all these things contribute to the dark side and then she even mentions you know i've seen some of the most well-trained jedi fall uh under that had circumstances like this and I won't, I can't train one that will, uh, I can't train one like this again to where this could happen. And she's obviously referencing her, her old master who had, who had turned, uh, her old master, Anakin Skywalker, who then, uh, who th she then realized later in, um, rebels that, uh, that Vader was her, uh, was her old master, Anakin. And come to that realization, that battle, physical battle she ended up having with him, and I'm sure mental and emotional struggle and battle over time that she's uh, dealt with, and you can even you can definitely tell it's still wearing on her. Um, and as we see her brought to light, uh, as we see her in this uh, time period, she's still very wary and aware of the remembrance of what happened to her old master. And she just can't bring herself to train Grogu for some of that reasons, uh, for some of those reasons. And she goes to leave and then, uh, Dinjarin goes on to say that, you know, I was commissioned. I was supposed to be brought in. Uh, I was told to, I had to kill you <laughs> pretty much. And he then goes on to make an agreement with her. He's like, yeah, you'll train, you train the child. Um, and I'll help you uh, bust into the city and get you to the magistrate so you can get the answers you need uh, from her. So then he goes on to explain how many, you know, how many guards are there, who they, who they are, scoping out the whole area for her before they get there. 
And, you know, he goes on to mention, you know, that they're Mandalorian and the Jedi, you know, and they'll, they'll never see it coming. They wouldn't expect it. Um, especially with the, the history kind of the two, uh, the past of the Jedi and the Mandalorian, uh, as before they, uh, enter the city. So trying to devise a plan, uh, what to do in order to get their, uh, their best effort out of it. And they really wild music here as they go back to the uh, the town to start out with very kind of off kilter kind of wild music here um, that I liked a little off beat but it's still on beat it's very very uh, edgy and suspenseful before uh, for the scene where they where Ahsoka's about to. Uh, they see her running out in the distance, something in the shadows, and then you see her just running up to the side of the wall, and just these guys are like, "Alert, alert!" They start hitting the bell. Um, they know who this is, and that she's here now, and she's slicing them up. And but but she's actually not killing all these. Um, she's you can tell she's kind of she you know she'll fling a, she flung a gun at one guy uh, from the other with the force, and and a little mannerism she does that um as she lets a guy go she's like yeah you better get <laughs> that there's totally a mannerism something we've seen from something we'd see from clone wars um big time in that scene and then she chops in half the bell as she slices that dude and it falls down the ground and then she enters the town where the magistrate her right hand man two robot guards uh and they're just all there at the uh, other gate of the town. And a bunch of other uh, for armed guards also. And it's, yeah, it's such a very, very, this episode is very like samurai, like um, the aesthetic of it. And there's also some Western little things here and there. But especially like the inner part of the city where the magistrate kind of lives or is, it reminds you something from kind of, to me, what was it Avatar and Last Airbender or something? I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's also something we've seen in something like we've seen in the prequels, like the structure in that building or whatnot. It kind of reminds me of something from the prequels or Clone Wars era, um, possibly. And then Ahsoka goes to act like, you know, she walks up to him and throws the armor, a piece of uh, Din, uh, Mando's armor, and, you know, pretty much tells him, you know, he failed, like, uh, this is all that is left um, to the magistrate and them. And then they start to shoot at her, try to take her out. She's deflecting a uh, blast off the top of the building and just running around. And, and then they start to kind of branch off into groups to try to, take her out uh yeah she's just yeah it's 
I take them out again, you know, one by one, like Batman style. <laughs> kind of as it's the same kind of type of this aesthetic and day as it was um, as she as when she first arrived uh, the day before, kind of. And then Mando drops in, um, shoots a few guards, and he's there to free the the uh, prisoners. And he also has a little exchange with the guy he previously seen in the town, um, who we see end up later. Um, apparently, was the old was the previous ruler of the town. Um, and then he helps Mando free these uh, prisoners from these from these uh, poles that are. Uh, surging these uh, shockwaves through their body as torture. And then, yeah, some of the shots that, yeah, when uh, Ahsoka is just slowly just um, toying with these, with these fools. And then there's this one shot where she, she has the two white lightsabers and she pulls the way the shot is shown. She pulls it out like it's one lightsaber and they're just kind of lined up uh lined up with each other so it looks like one but then she pulls two from the one <laughs> and just takes out these dudes like right behind them and that was that's such a great um shot and they, this shot has numerous ones as far as aesthetically how it looks pleasing uh with the white lightsabers you know we haven't seen that um in live action and then she just yeah slices up one of the the robots, and then one's left. He tells him to kind of go up top. Michael Bean's character is left on the bottom, and he then runs into Mando, and he's like, "Oh, I see." Pretty much, Mando's kind of motioning for the the some of the people of the town to get inside, you know, quick. And then they kind of have a well because they kind of have like a more of a western style kind of like standoff on in part of the town and on the inside of the um inside where it's a little more fancy and um nicer where the magistrate is ahsoka and the magistrate has more of a samurai light duel so it's a great um two great little scenes that are right beside each other but separated by that wall um it's pretty wild um even though soka and the magistrate are doing actually more of the fighting mando and uh michael bean's character um is more of a kind of a standoff and michael bean's even his character's even talking about you know like oh i wonder who will win you know i guess we'll be able to your side or mine and then you know they're they're playing off um the battle with soka and the magistrate by ear you know hearing just by hearing it how how it's going so the magistrate and soka are going at it um a slower kind of type battle but very tactical um and then uh, the magistrate even gets one of the um one of ahsoka's uh, lightsabers away from her and it, and it falls into the water but then Ahsoka, you know, changes it up and says, gets a little serious and she changes to that uh, reverse grip uh, that we've seen so many times in the Clone Wars and previously on Rebels. And um, 
yeah, then you're then she <laughs> you've seen the almost a change of look from uh, the magistrate, like, oh, <laughs> and we know it's Soka getting serious. Then when she changes to that, yeah. <laughs> Um, then she ends up not long after that, uh, gets the magistrate, uh, cause the magistrate is fighting her with the best car steel, um, with the best car, um, spear. And that's actually defending against uh, the light servers also. And then she ends up taking out, uh, making getting the uh magistrate to she drops the uh forces her to drop the beskar uh spear and she pretty much has her lights one lightsaber at her throat saying you know where's your master and where's where's grand admiral grant if i can talk she's i'm gonna mess up the whole sentence and then she says where's your master where's grand admiral thrawn and the fact that the name dropped him and the fact that now we know he's going to get brought into this somehow, whether it means the Mandalorian or possibly, you know, we've heard rumors and different things about an Ahsoka spinoff uh, kind of series. Either or, the fact that we might get see Thrawn here in live action soon is wildly uh, exhilarating. Something from, he's been in Legends for so long. And, um, also canon and you know rebels and different uh kind of iterations of them very tactical very very smart uh villain and then michael bean on the outside is also like well yeah looks like sounds like your side one so he acts like he he acts like he goes to put his weapon down but he's trying to pull a fast one on mando and then he pulls out another one but dinjar don't fall for it he shoots him down after that and then uh, the guy from the the town goes to come out and think it's safe, you know. And Mando does a little head nod, but then he alerts uh, Dinjarin behind him that that robot is about to shoot him from the roof, and Dinjarin still takes him out, uh, takes the robot out, turns around, shoots him in the in the head, and just yeah, just his reflexes are so good. <laughs> Didn't even have to second guess; he just boom, boom. <laughs> But yeah, that's the implications that, that they're bringing Thrawn either into the Mandalorian or, well, into live action Star Wars universe, maybe in through the Mandalorian or through um, maybe a, a spinoff show with Ahsoka. We've, that's been rumored. We've, and there's been a possible chance of uh, either way. That would be wild. Um, a question to be who to who to play him because he's yeah that's because they've done great so far at as far as casting some of these these live action versions of these animated characters one being uh katie sackoff um well katie sackoff was actually the voice of her a bo-katan and that worked perfect um so she already knew the history and everything behind that character how she would as far as her voice and everything how she'd react what she's went through her, her vocal um tendencies and even what kind of things she would say she just had to translate the look because everything else fell into place um as far as coming to live action and with rosario dawson uh doing uh bringing ahsoka to life 
through live action. She done a fantastic job too. And they, you know, I heard they went on to, uh, say that she actually watched the whole, uh, Clone Wars, uh, series, which you don't see some of that dedication with some actors with different, I mean, depending on what it is, but the fact that she watched all of them, she didn't just watch, you know, you know, they could have told her only watch, you know, a certain few just to get the main ideas and things that she needs to know about the key pivotal points for this character. But no, she watched the whole thing and that's such dedication in order to bring this role to life. And it really showed that, uh, there was a lot of care on her part as far as getting, you know, they got the look down excellent. And on her part, as far as the, in the, the little mannerisms, the way she talked, um, her dialogue, her physicality, uh, all that. And even carrying the weight of what she's been through, um, all these things factored in and she done a fantastic job. Um, so the fact that now we, so, so far they're bringing those live, uh, these characters from animated to live action. One, one of the big characters being the one that voiced her, but the other one not being, they've done a great job at bringing those characters to life accurately. Um, so far. So I do trust Dave Filoni and John Favreau. I think we should all, because what they are doing for star Wars is amazing. They're bringing so much, which I'm not, I don't know all a bunch about, you know, legends and different things, but I'm still learning and I don't mind saying that I don't know something about this or that, but I love learning about kind of both sides of the coin. I love learning, you know, what, you know, what's canon now obviously is different from what was legends you and all that then. But, um, but they're, see, they're blending it. They're pulling from, um, legend stuff. They're pulling stuff from video games, um, you know, different comics, books. I mean, we've seen Cobb Banth from a character, minor character from a book, the aftermath series, um, in the first episode this season and yeah, bringing him to life, somebody like that. And, and they're bringing stuff obviously from clone wars and rebels. And they're just bringing so much across the board, whether it's stuff, you know, that'll make original trilogy people happy or sequel, I mean, or prequel people happy or even connecting possibly maybe little things to the sequels and making sequel people happy. So they're, they are across the board and then pulling stuff from legends. Like I said, video games, comics, books, um, God, they are, they are picking and pulling and crafting such a intricate, interesting, deep story that we get to experience every week while the Mandalorian is on. And from the different things I've been hearing and they've, that was been spread around there, the opening up, obviously maybe the Filoni verse, opening up into a branch of different shows, interconnected, woven kind of like, obviously like the MCU has a very connected, uh, um, universe that they have built over time. And, uh, I would love that with Star Wars and I love what they are doing with the Mandalorian. Love it. Um, and Dave Filoni, uh, directed this episode and written it, obviously, uh, 
as a matter of fact, too, uh, which was only right when um, for him to direct it and write it with Ahsoka coming to uh, live action for the first time. So then, you know, they, they relinquish the town and then you see uh, the guy that used to be kind of the ruler, him step back up into his place of honor and power and the, the, this, the town is rejoicing that they are no longer under the thumb of this magistrate and her people. And so now this town can hopefully flourish um, far beyond what it was, harsh conditions it was under for um, who knows how long. And they're rejoicing as they uh, put this man back into his uh, rightful... Uh, place as whatever ruler he is of this town and then ahsoka goes to uh she's meeting uh den outside the gate and then den goes on to say or she actually gives the best car a uh, spear to den she's like it's only you know you uh it belongs in your hands you know especially being best car with this whole set of armor being best car and belong with the mandalorian people and then Den goes even on to say, you know, I don't deserve this. And he's <laughs> so dedicated. He's like proper. She's like, yeah, she's like, you, it belongs with you. So then he goes on to say, you know, I'll, I'm going to go get the child from the, from the ship. I'll be, I'll be back. You know, he's like, wait here. And, uh, Soka has a little moment then after with the, the head honcho, of the town, the guy that's now back in charge and, she pretty much walks back with him in the town to kind of um, help uh, during their rejoicing uh, of getting the town back uh, to themselves for compared to what it was for probably a decent amount of time under the magistrate's rule. So then Dan's going back to the ship and then you see him looking at uh, Grogu and he's he's barely he's sleeping in his little hammock and barely awake and kind of and he's mostly sleeping. He's just like, uh, so cute. But then he says, uh, Din Djarin says these words and he, he, oh, it hits me. I'm like, oh my goodness, certain little things. He's like, he's like, what did, he says, uh, better wake wake up little buddy it's time to say goodbye and i'm like oh my goodness no oh, God. oh dear the relationship they built oh it's gonna cut me to the core i'm like and then he just kind of holding him there for a little minute before probably just soaking in that little bit of last time until he you know has to take him to leave him with uh soka but then uh Mando goes to leave. Um, oh, and before that, anytime he leaves the kid, which he done the right thing, but anytime he leaves the kid, I'm I'm just worrying like, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen? Who's going to get, oh no, which he was still better safe on the ship, but I'm still, when he, you know, left him at the school at the other time and I'm like, and that's when they found out Moff Gideon was still alive and I'm like, oh no, no oh no, no, no. And he gets back. He's all right. 
and but and he gets back to the ship in this case too in time but i'm still anytime he leaves the kid alone i'm like or grogu alone i'm like oh no it makes me uneasy <laughs> but he was still in safer conditions then when um then them uh just going at it in the town with this uh magistrate and her uh or a henchman. But then he's going to, uh, about to leave the ship. And then he's greeted by Ahsoka at the door. He, you know, he didn't expect to see her at the door. You know, he was going to bring her back to the, come back to the town with Grogu and then meet her there. But she goes, as he's walking down the platform with Grogu, he's, she's like, he's like a father to you. I mean, he's like a son. You're like a father to him. Yeah. And she goes on to then say, she's like, I, I can't train him after all. And then then just probably thinking like, oh my gosh, we've done been through this. I thought you said first you weren't going to train him. Then I convinced you to after I help you, but now you're not going to train him again. I'm like, he's probably thinking, what is going on here? Flippity floppity. Um, but then she goes on to say there is a possible option though. She goes on to hold his little hand for a second. And then she tells uh then to uh take him to the planet of tython there there's an old uh old jedi temple there and for him to sit uh grogu on the scene stone there and there he'll be able to call out um call out to the force and kind of choose his own path and then she said also you know while he's uh on this stone interlocked in this force um bond um and connection she said during that time there might be it might call out to other jedi possibly and that can hear uh this beacon um and that they might come to help him so she says there is this option and then Mando thanks her and she says, May the force be with you. And as he kind of walks off, uh, the Grogu's looking at Ahsoka and they kind of tell they have one last little conversation, kind of even without saying anything, because between his facial expressions and hers, and she's kind of just smile. She has this little smile, their teeth showing, and she just kind of nods and she's like, just kind of wonder what they're kind of saying. You know, she's probably thinking, she's like, I know you're, you're in good hands though, um, with him and probably the, uh, Grogu's probably also expressed like what thanks, gratitude and, and care that the, the, uh, Din Djarin has, uh, given to, uh, him Grogu, uh, so far since he's found him took all these risks, uh, to make sure he's cared for and safe and doing what he believes that all the right steps as far as what is right for, uh, the child or Grogu. Um, been along the way as he's trying to keep the child safe from these bounty hunters, you know, through season one and, uh, Moff Gideon, uh, he's built this wonderful relationship that I don't necessarily even seen, think he's seen coming with, uh, with this child, uh, Grogu. It's quite, uh, beautiful. 
and it's really grown on us. <laughs> you know, not just Baby Yoda or the child or Grogu, it's himself, but the relationship between uh, Grogu and the Mandalorian or Din Djarin has really strengthened over time um, their bond, their connection. Uh, ever since he found him, uh, things have been different for the Mandalorian since then. Uh, everything changed. But then uh, after that, uh, Ahsoka kind of just walks off into the the distance and then the episode ends. Uh, but yeah, this episode was so sweet. Like, first time uh, getting... Uh, the fact that we got Ahsoka Tano uh, live action is is wild. It's yeah, and it she she knocked it out of the park. Um, first time we've seen other than Moff Gideon the dark saber. First time we're us uh, seeing like lightsabers in the Mandalorian itself. Um, but the fact that we're learn you know we learned this episode that the best car steel whether it be uh, the Mando's armor or that. Uh, Beskar steel a staff, uh, either one that can resist and uh, blows from a lightsaber um, was a cool uh, little thing we learned. And the fact that Din Djarin now has the spear now gives opens up the possibility for him personally to take on Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Because before, you know, only other thing that can take on a dark saber is another lightsaber. So we, you know, we thought across our our minds that you know, okay, well, Ahsoka, because she's coming into the picture, and she might show up and fight Moff Gideon. Well, Moff Gideon didn't show up this episode, and then she's kind of already went her separate way. Um, it seems. I don't know if she'll pop up again or not. It's hard to say. It might be set this setting up her possible like spinoff series, but I. And if she does show up, will it again? Will it be this season or possibly next season instead or whatnot? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, I, I just I just don't know on that one. Uh, but the fact that, like I said, Mando has this spear, Beskar uh, staff uh, spear. Now um, he can now defend himself at least fairly decent, at least against the blows of the Darksaber from Moff Gideon, who has it in his possession as of now. So now we we could get that little battle between them, or possibly if if Bo-Katan comes back in the picture, if Din lets her use the the Beskar uh, spear, and then she fights Moff Gideon in order to get to reclaim her Darksaber. Um, but she feels she's the the rightful owner and ruler of, to be Mandalore, the ruler of Mandalore. Um, so there's that, that possibility too. But either way, this Beskar spear and staff uh, is in play now. Whether it's going to be probably in the hands of Din Djarin or Bo-Katan to uh, battle uh, up against Moff Gideon with the dark saber, and that will be a great battle because uh, we still know, you know, Moff Gideon is tracking them. Um, still uh, the Razor Crest that is. Um, so he can just pop up 
<laughs> I'm sure he's eager to uh, catch up to them. But yeah, I thought Ahsoka Tanu was fantastic. Rosario Dawson nailed it. Um, Dave Filoni directed, written this episode, and he rightfully should with since he pretty much created the character of Ahsoka. Uh, brought her to life uh, very well. Um, I don't think this is the last of, you know, whether it's the last of it in this show, I don't think so. I think she'll pop up probably at some point. Hard to say when, but then if, you know, great setup in case they want to do a spinoff show with her, possibly looking for Thrawn too. And they still don't, they, Dave Filoni kind of went out of his way to emphasize later that uh, this could possibly be before the epilogue at the end of Rebels, before um, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren uh, go to look for Ezra. So this could be that catalyst, that info she needed in order to get to that point for them to then go search for Ezra. Uh, and Thrawn, which Ezra and Thrawn and the last they checked were being sent uh, somewhere out in the unknown regions. Um the fact they brought Thrawn's uh, name into this too, um, which makes us think we're going to see him and Ezra here. It's hard to say when, but at some point in live action also, um, which would be wild. Um, but yeah, this episode was pretty, pretty great. The fact that we got so much lightsaber action and Ahsoka Tano was represented so well um, by Rosario Dawson. And the fact that we got uh, the child's name, Grogu, and his backstory about being trained by numerous Jedi Masters at the temple in Coruscant. That was, wow, that was a mind-blowing. And the fact, but then the fact that he, his memories went dark for a little while, so we don't know in whose care he was, what situation he was exactly in. Probably wasn't a good one for some time. Therefore, he was cutting himself off from the Force recently in order to keep himself safe and hidden from whatever forces he was with at one point, which we think he had some run-ins back with Moff Gideon or somebody from the empire um, throughout his time since the temple and before Din found him. Um, Very, very interesting stuff. And, I just love the fact that they're, you know, they're layering this so well. And these, the characters they're bringing in, they brought in so many people this season. They brought in, you know, like I said, Cobb Vanth from a minor character from a book series, bringing in Bo-Katan from, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels, and then bringing in Ahsoka Tano. And then the fact that Boba Fett is back somewhere roaming around. Um, they're, they're bringing in so much and they're making exciting and happy times for you know whether it be original trilogy people prequel 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 uh people or sequel people kind of almost connecting different things to possibly the sequels and then also pulling deep deep dives from like books comics uh games different so many different uh avenues um they're pulling from so much and it's even though I don't personally know all of what they're pulling from, but I, I do a little research and figure out here um, after the fact, or it's it's a good little lesson for me from for different little tidbits as far as this Star Wars universe is concerned. And it's, uh, 
it's all encompassing. Uh, they're making it uh, in the lore. They're adding so much more lore to it compared to what, I mean, I like the sequels, but compared to the sequels, they're adding so much more lore and pulling things from legends and building their own lore to an extent. Now making certain aspects, whether places or things about the force or, or things about the star Wars universe, uh, universe, making it canon now pulling from numerous sources and making their kind of own. Um, and it's, yeah, it's wild. It's, I love it. It's such a deep, thorough, enjoyable experience week by week. Season one was fantastic, but season two they've elevated to a whole nother level with the characters, the the story, the locations, the the creatures, the the things they are building to. It's next level, and I couldn't be happier with how this show is uh, going. And uh, in Dave Filoni and John Favreau, we trust. <laughs> They have beyond proven themselves to so many. <laughs> and before this, before the Mandalorian, the the Star Wars uh, fandom is not necessarily in the best place. But they first season started to do it, and the second season so much more is just a catalyst for the reshaping of Star Wars. I think getting back to where numerous things need to be and they're they're where they're where they're kind of uh nudging it as far as in what direction as far as where it will go and uh leading where they're leading it to the things they're leading it to is just so uh inspiring encouraging and exciting beyond exciting to me so uh, that's uh, my thoughts and analysis of uh, chapter 13 entitled The Jedi of uh, The Mandalorian uh, Season 2. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. The episode was great. <laughs> but um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, until next time, this is the way. <laughs>